0: with me, Harvey Whitehouse, Professor of Social Anthropology at the University of Oxford. He's leading a seminar here at Cumberland Lodge on what motivates extremism. So, Harvey, an obvious first question is, what
1: do you think motivates extremism? Well, if we're talking about violent extremism, I think that's the really interesting question. Um, then, and by that I presume we mean something like willingness to uh, fight and die for something bigger than yourself, maybe to lay down your life. Uh, for a cause or for your fellow um, group members, then I think there is an answer to that question. I think uh, a lot of the evidence that we have suggests that um, the core motivation is love actually, it's love of your group uh, combined with a perception of of plausible threat of sufficient magnitude to sort of um, drive you into action, to defend your group essentially. So this view is rather
0: different to what many uh, would would
1: argue. Well, there are those, um, in fact there are a lot of very prominent individuals in public life who argue that it's uh, extreme beliefs, in particular extreme religious beliefs, that drive violent extremism. Um, and that's a very intuitive point of view, it's quite an easy argument to make. Um, but I think it's, uh, and it's, a, it's a difficult one to test against the alternatives actually because very often explicit beliefs are very powerful markers, if you like, for underlying group alignments. And if it's alignment with a group, if it's passionate commitment to a group and the desire to defend it against our group threat that is really driving violent extremism, Uh, nevertheless it would still look like explicit beliefs are what's driving it because those explicit beliefs are bound up with the sense of what kind of group um, you know, bound up with your sense of group identity essentially But the um,
0: idea that it's belief driven Mm. does help to shape many counter extremist policies Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're right, um, what do we need to do to, to get the right policies in place?
1: Well personally I think to attack Um, belief systems to try to persuade people not to believe what they believe or to try and talk them out of beliefs they weren't talked into in the first place is probably a waste of time Um, and I guess uh, equally you know putting a lot of the energy into trying to harmonize relationships between groups that are in conflict may also be the wrong place to look What our research suggests is that a potentially very profitable place to look is at the very kind of building blocks of um, group alignment in the first place. So if our research is correct, that passionate love of group that I mentioned earlier doesn't come out of the blue. It's something that is um, constructed out of life experiences that people feel to be very self-defining. but also regard as defining of their group. And the foundations for those um, uh, beliefs that people hold are um, uh, possible to unpick, potentially. I mean, they're based on things like memory, they're based on assumptions about sharedness, they're based on notions of what was life-defining for them or group-defining. All of those things could be... Um, questioned they could be um, you know people's confidence in those things could be undermined potentially and not in a a pernicious way but in a way that you know they themselves would actually find quite interesting as a a potentially as a sort of process but it's not the same as directly attacking the beliefs and you know the explicit sort of religious beliefs for example
0: and if group well we were talking about group bonding leading to violent um, destructive purposes Mm -hmm. Do you think there's potential for harnessing the force of group bonding within those groups but actually for more positive, constructive
1: purposes? I do think it's possible because I think the, the the idea that it's love of group that lies at the core of violent extremism also means that this thing at the core of it is potentially a force for good in the world. It could be a constructive... Um, uh, and useful thing. So one kind of line of research where we hope to investigate that very question is with uh, ex- uh, sort of what are described as at-risk football fans, uh, known to most of us as football hooligans. Their individuals, our existing uh, current researchers suggested that um, they have a very strong bond based on what they perceive to be shared self defining experiences, particularly experiences of loss actually it 's the teams that lose and suffer that are the most bonded in the ways that we 've been um, measuring and those very intense group bonds uh, are not in in inherently dangerous but when you perceive a plausible outgroup threat in the form of your rival supporters it it sort of galvanizes you into acts of violence and that's what we're seeing in the form of football hooliganism we've been studying this in brazil in uh, indonesia where they have particularly violent fans in um australia and and in the uk and we're finding this pattern over and over again one possible Approach to all of this is to see whether we can harness that um, what we call identity fusion, fusion with the club on the part of those most passionately committed supporters and try to channel it into more positive things that society at large would regard as um, desirable. Um, perhaps charitable causes, perhaps helping uh, um, young people in um, uh, tough conditions to um, succeed in football or to use football as a tool for something more positive. It doesn't have to have a a, a sort of violent or nasty outcome. It could be used in a positive way.
0: We're clearly going to be in for a really fascinating conversation this evening. Thank you very much indeed. It's a pleasure.